Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast, our second episode of this week. It's the final non-game week of 2022, at least until we get into December for, for the Nittany Lions. Season kickoff just seven days away, one week from today, Thursday night at Purdue. Daniel Gowan and Mark Brennan will be there watching the action live. I'll be here at headquarters and preparing for a post-game podcast and whatever we've got coming our way from this matchup. I'm going to hear from Daniel and Mark, and you will too, in just a moment. But first, I want to jump into uh, something that happened Wednesday night. A bunch of coverage on Lions247.com. Kerry Booth committing to the Nittany Lions, a top 100 prospect. Of course, the son of Calvin Booth, who had a strong career at Penn State, went on to a lengthy NBA career, now general manager in the NBA. Um, so there's a lot to like about this pickup from a legacy standpoint, but certainly from a talent standpoint. And there was a lot to break down. Uh, our 24-7 Sports National team did that scouting report on Booth is up on lines247.com, along with commentary from both him and his father about why this was the right fit for him as he was navigating the process with a lot of options on the table. And of course, our very own Tyler Calvaruzzo had a, a story about this commitment and took a look ahead for our VIP subscribers at what is next for Micah Shrewsbury and the Penn State Denny Lions, who have gained some recruiting momentum. They signed a top 25 class last cycle doing some strong things here, most notably with the booth pickup in the 2023 cycle. And so uh, we'll keep that locked in at lines 24-7. But, of course, it is the end of preseason camp and the start of season. So we got to talk football, and we got to talk about a lot of it. And to do that, let's bring on Mark Brennan and Daniel Gallen back into lines 247com Hopefully you caught our episode that aired on Tuesday. It was an opportunity for us to focus in on the offense, of course, led by a six-year senior at quarterback, but a lot of the conversation about a couple newcomers at running back. Go back, check that one out if you missed it, but we're going to talk about defense this time. And guys, for as much conversation has been about the continuity with Mike Yersich and, and getting the same offensive coordinator back on campus for a second year, obviously there's some uncertainty here because we got very accustomed to Brent Pry being one of those inner circle guys with James Franklin since he got to campus, eventually rising to defensive coordinator. Now here's Manny Diaz. We got to know him a little bit last December, more through the spring, and now we're on the doorstep of seeing what his defense will look like. Mark, let's throw it to you to begin. Defensively, I feel like the ceiling is very high for these Nittany Lions, but obviously a challenge to go on the road against a six-year senior quarterback at Purdue. Yeah, Manny Diaz, you know, one of the things that he's really stressed throughout his career as a defensive coordinator before he became head coach at, at Miami and, and now at Penn State is forcing turnovers. And, you know, from everything we've heard, that's really been kind of – it's already developed into 
a staple for this Penn State defense under Manny Diaz. And he made a really good point when we had an opportunity to talk to him that creating turnovers is big all the time. But in that first game of the season, when you're going up against an opposing offense that probably hasn't had a ton of contact, that that hasn't played a ton of live snaps, the quarterback uh, who's there for his 18th year, just like Sean Clifford, hasn't been touched. That's a great opportunity for a defense to really tee off and do something. So I, I'm I'm cut after he said that. That was like a little tease to me. I'm anxious to see are you know are, are they going to maybe blitz some more? Are they going to do some different crazy things uh, than you might ordinary ordinarily seen an opener uh, to kind of maybe swing momentum and, and cause some of those turnovers that that you talk about. But listen, he has the athletes to do it over there on the defense. I know there's some questions. We posted our depth chart, and you know the the first thing a lot of people are saying is, "Oh my God, the depth at linebacker," and it's a it's a valid concern. But I think if you look at this defense across the board, you know the depth they have on the line, which is just sick compared to where they were at the end of last season, especially in a bowl game when some people moved on. And then you look back at that secondary, you know they, they have an opportunity to have a bunch of playmakers, and it's going to be fun to see how he unleashes them against the Boilermakers on Thursday night. And we are going to take a closer look at that matchup against Purdue early next week. We'll have James Franklin's first game week press conference on Monday. The, the structure is a little bit different because of that Thursday night kickoff. We also have a Purdue beat reporter who has been invested in covering the Boilermakers for several years now that you will hear from on this podcast. So a lot on that, but big picture, I think, you know, sticking with the depth chart theme, it's not to me, about necessarily the starters. We've talked about that a lot with that third linebacker piece, the, the, the field backer, a guy who's essentially that third safety, and Jonathan Sutherland playing that role, and Dom DeLuca stepping up as a walk-on, and now Tyrese Mills transitioning to that role from safety early on in his Penn State career. You know, We talked about a lot. You're going to see more Daquan Hardy in all likelihood than you will a third linebacker regularly within this defense, but I think it goes beyond that. It's who are the 20 guys you're going to see or the, the 25 guys you're going to regularly see out there for this defense, because I do think you're going to see a, a pretty significant rotation on the defensive line, which we'll dive into in just a moment. Uh, and I think in the secondary, they really have no choice other than to, to open that cupboard up a little bit, because if you look at where the talent is skewed on this defensive roster, there's a lot to like in that secondary. And, and they're not going to keep those guys on the sideline just because uh, they've got a starter identified. I'm really curious to see the element of surprise that, that Diaz does from a strategic standpoint, but also from a personnel standpoint over the course of September, because I think there's a real opportunity when you throw in a transfer portal pickup, you throw in some of the young risers on the roster, and then a new defensive mind getting fresh eyes on the team. There are going to be a, a, an opportunity to throw a lot of stuff that Penn State has not put out there before. And I think that that's an opportunity to really come out the gates in September and play some considerably strong defense that can create some chaos. And we'll see how that how that kind of sustains when the Big Ten comes calling in the bulk of their play in October and November. And Daniel, Manny Diaz came to town uh, back back last December. And at that point, we saw the defensive roster kind of eroding. It took a long time for him to see it get replenished. Zane Durant was the only scholarship addition until the summer. But it's happened in a big way. What do you think about the timeline of all this? The fact that so many anticipated contributors didn't get their first practices with Penn State or Diaz until August. It's a very interesting kind of element to everything where Manny Diaz is kind of, he got these guys in a little bit late. 
Uh, they're putting things together this summer into preseason camp. But I think that things kind of set up nicely. I go back to what Manny Diaz said in the spring when I think you might have even asked him about you know getting guys on campus later. And he said that what he what the game plan is, what the personnel is for week one at Purdue, that's one plan. But then they're also planning for what the depth chart, what things are going to look like in October. Uh, what things are going to look like in November. So I think it's very, it's gonna, I'm very curious to see how some of those maybe later summer arrivals, how they develop, how they're able to move up the depth chart. I mean, I think that the guy that this might apply to the most, and I think Manny Diaz was talking about it in this context, was Abdul Carter, who we've heard a lot about at linebacker. He's got number 11. Those expectations are already really high. He looks the part. Um, but we don't necessarily know he got here this summer. We don't necessarily know how much we could see him week one at Purdue, but by the time we get to that Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State run, those games in November, um, things could look a little bit different. So I think I'm very curious into how things kind of evolve, uh, given that some of the, a lot of these freshmen got here late. How can they work up the depth chart? Uh, I know in the secondary, Jair Brown uh, really had some praise for Kevin Winston Jr., uh, the freshman safety. Um, he's someone to watch. So I'm curious to see how things evolve. Um, I think a lot more than anything as this goes on, but of course we got all of our eyes are on uh, week one at Purdue uh, in a week, but I think that it's just going to be fun to track the changes, how Manny Diaz uh, makes this thing evolve uh, over the course of the next few weeks and months. Let me jump over to another one of those summer editions and a big one, uh, Chop Robinson, a guy that, that I wrote about pretty extensively at the end of last week and uh, about the kind of buzz and feedback he's generated. But with all that, while all that is great, you got to kind of compartmentalize it because he's still figuring out what it's like to be a full-time defensive end. And right now he's figuring that on the practice field. And he said that is a challenge and, and just putting your hand in the dirt and knowing how to attack uh, off the edge out of that position. is not something that, that comes naturally to him and it's something that ultimately they're coaching him up on. So I'm curious to see when they do get into October and November and they need to hit that defensive stride, just how much that evolution looks like for a guy like Chop Robinson, where I think he could be playing maybe in more of a situational role early on in the year. Um, and if Purdue needs to pass the ball 60 plus times in this matchup, because that's what it dictates, be really curious to see what that means for Chop Robinson. But then what does he look like when, when Minnesota comes to town or Ohio state comes to town? How is his role different there? And, I guess, Mark, let's jump into defensive end because we circled Arnold Ebicati last year as, as a guy we thought was going to make an impact, and he ended up being far and away their most explosive and productive defensive lineman. He's now making a paycheck with the Atlanta Falcons, and obviously Jesse Lucchetta, you know, did some strong things at defensive end last year in his move. Um, ultimately, I feel like with the Adiza Isaac return, uh, bringing in Denai Dennis Sutton, who, again, is a guy that I think we're eyeing more into October than we are on September 1st, but and then filling that role with Chop Robinson, they did a really nice job, I think, from a staff standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, of at least giving you a lot of reason to believe they're not going to have some kind of drop off. And quite frankly, they might be able to send more guys to the quarterback from a depth perspective than they were able to do last year. Yeah, and you didn't even mention Smith Vilbert, who who was kind of an emergency starter in the bowl game and and came through with what? I mean, what? How many? All sacks three, did, all yeah. three of his career sacks, all three <laughs> right. of them. So, yes, and, and I, I'm not suggesting that he's going to be. Uh, I don't think he's going to be one of their top three DNs. I, you know, I think their top three DNs are going to be Adisa Isaac, Nick Tarburton, the veteran who's done a lot of things, and Chop Robinson to start. I think Denai Dennis Sutton moves as Daniel was talking about I think when we get to mid-October 
you know, that's when you're going to see guys like Carter at linebacker and Dennis Sutton at, at, at defensive end starting to make some of those moves, especially with the way their season starts. Because it's not as if this is an old-time Penn State schedule where you know you could pencil them in at 4-0 and uh, going into their 3-0, and whatever it would be going into the Big Ten season. That's not the case. I mean, they have two very tough road games uh, to start with. You know, we had some que- – we put out our depth chart and we had some questions about why is there an or between Nick Tarburton and Chop Robinson. And it goes to what some of the things that you're talking about, Tyler, is that, that I think long-term – and this isn't a, this is no disrespect to Nick, but we know what Nick is. He's a, he's a guy who's going to go in there and grind, do good things against the run, maybe uh, you know get in there on the quarterback a little bit, but he doesn't have the explosiveness and the athletic ability of a Chop Robinson. So, I think you know your your top two guys starting the game are going to be Adisa Isaac, who from all accounts has looked really good coming back from an injury that kept him out of all of last year, and we were really high on him going into last year before he was banged up. And Tar Burton, but who's going to be that next defensive end coming in? And that's why we put that or there because I think you're going to see a lot of chop. I don't know about you guys, but you know whether it's situational, however you want to to, to paint it. In that first game, you are going to see a lot of chop, Robinson. I think he's going to see starter type snaps. So that's why you throw that or in there because we expect him to play that much. Do we expect him to start? No. I mean, Tar Burton's a guy who's paid his dues. Uh, again, going to be a good, solid player for you, but doesn't project to that ceiling. Chop still has some learning to do, becoming a full-time DN and a 4-3 as opposed to a 3-4 outside linebacker, uh, getting that hand in the dirt, and, and has a chance to do some really good things. But I also would say this, that I think the talent that they – two things. The talent they have at defensive tackle, you know, starting with P.J. Mustafer coming back, that's really going to help the DNs. And I think their secondary, what those guys are able to do in coverage, is going to really help the DNs. That's all complementary type stuff. And, uh, you know, so these de- defensive ends, I'd really keep a close eye on them. Losing AK, uh, obviously, you know, was an outstanding player for them last year. But I think they're going to keep that DN pipeline going here at Penn State with the guys they have out there now. A cornerback's best friend is a consistent and impactful pass rush, and, and they have what it's and vice versa, tools. vice versa, a- absolutely. Yeah. And and we've heard it from Diaz. Look, they're they're not going to be afraid to put these quarterbacks in situations that are going to expose them because they have such high thoughts about what these cornerbacks can accomplish. But they also think mentally these guys can recover from surrendering a big play and then get after it. The big thing here is, you know, you want to bet on yourself as a defensive coordinator. And I think Manny Diaz is going to do that, especially early on. Now, if he gets bitten over and over again and backbreaking plays are happening, then they're going to have to adjust. But I think specifically early on, his finger should be on the trigger for, 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 for some opportunities here with some of these guys to mix it up in that pass rush. And I think to your point, this defensive tackle group can penetrate the pocket from the interior. And Manny Diaz was really excited about that aspect because he felt like they had the athlete, the athletes to do that off the edge, but quarterbacks can step up in the pocket. You can end up buried in the backfield as a defensive end, overshooting the quarterback. The offensive tackle can recover. And when a quarterback can step up, maintain his eyes, find an open man and exploit you, but seems to think that they have the defensive tackles that are going to be able to not let that happen where the quarterback's going to step up, maybe run into the belly of PJ Mustafer or into the waiting arms of a Zane Durant. And I think, John Scott Jr. had a wide smile on his face when I brought up, you know, how are you going to get all these defensive tackles involved? And he has a a vision for a rotation that's going to keep them fresh 
wear down offensive linemen. That's from game one, but it's going to carry over as, as the offensive linemen on, on the other side of the football accrue reps through September, October, and your defensive linemen are kind of getting stashed and saved a little bit because you can work in five, six different guys on a consistent basis. That's going to add up. You got to stay healthy. But Daniel, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the defensive tackle group because that's a tough defensive – that's a tough depth chart to project because, as I said, six guys could be involved on a consistent basis, and, and I know that's a tough thing to do. We saw really tight snaps allocated last year in week one. I don't get the sense that's going to be the case this week one. That was something that was kind of striking to me when we were going through the depth chart where you had to pencil in someone as a third stringer uh, who is going to play substantial snaps when you look at the the top five that they have with – Mustafer, Beeman, Izard, Elise, and then Zane Durant. Um, you know, you had to put one of those guys in, in the three spot on uh, at one of those spots, and it kind of felt like this guy doesn't feel like a third stringer, which I think that's obviously a good thing. Uh, I'm excited to see that interior of the defensive line. Uh, last year, that rotation, I think, really was tight for a lot of the season, um, especially after P.J. Mustafer went down. Um Derek Tangelo was obviously a bit of an unsung uh, player uh, in the trenches last year with what he was able to do uh, playing next to PJ. And then after Mustafer got hurt, um, he really made some big plays. But I feel really good about the defensive tackle group being able to either be stout on the interior or being able to get push uh, on the interior. Uh, that's huge, um, especially in, in college where there's a lot of these quick reads. Quarterbacks like to get the ball out fast. Uh, if you can be disruptive uh, with someone like Beeman, with someone like Durant, um, I think that can go a long way uh, towards this defense. Um, I think that when coaches talk about, um, I forget who who put this number out there, if I read it somewhere, the, the idea of having 10 defensive linemen um, between the defensive ends and the defensive tackles that, oh yeah, if we can have 10 guys, we can rotate through at those four spots where we're good. And that always kinds of seem, that always sort of seems like wishful thinking sometimes when you think about a roster, you think about the number of viable players you have, but the way this roster has kind of come together up front with the guys you're getting back from injury, with someone you're getting back like Beeman, uh, with a transfer like Chop Robinson, um, with someone like Zane Durant coming in, I mean, suddenly it's not that hard to get to 10 uh, for Penn State. And so I think that you should feel pretty good um, about this defensive line group, these defensive tackles. Obviously, with PJ Mustafer and Adisa Isaac and the injury stuff, there's, you know, you can see things in practice, you can hear good things, you kind of want to see it, you kind of want to know, have that visual confirmation that they're the, the same players that they were before, um, or they've come back stronger. But I think where things are right now, I, I do feel good about it. I think the defensive line is something that you're not really going to have to worry about on, on a week to week basis. Yeah, one thing I would add, uh, Tyler and Daniel, is, and Daniel, you touched on this. I think the ability for situational substitutions, uh, I mean, if they get an opponent in third and long, and you look at what they can do with defensive tackle, you know, if you want to give PJ Mustafer, who's a 325 pounder, a little bit of a blow on a third and long. You could have Akeem Beeman and Zane Durant in there at defensive tackle. And then on the on the edge, you you might have Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac. And it's like, whoa. I mean, how do you block it's that? Different. Right. Different. How do you block that? And it's the same thing if they go into short yardage where you could have PJ and Devon Elise and you know, can you can you slide out a uh, and I I'm not suggesting 
that uh, that Hakeem Beeman is going to play defensive end. But if need be in a in a in a goal line situation, you could get pretty stout down there, and then you bring Tarburton in. So that's what I like about where they are defensive line wise. I think everybody gets yeah. kind of caught up in one technique and three technique and and, and this and that. I I think it's more how can you mix and match against different situations and it, I, this Purdue game, and I know we're going to get into it next week, but. You know, this is a team that can't run the ball. I mean, they had a worse running game than Penn State last year. So it, would it, is it going to make more sense to have more situational pass rushers in there in that game? I mean, this is, these are going to be the fun things that we're able to talk about throughout the season with this defensive line. Yeah, it's not just a deep group. It's a versatile group. And, and I'm going to throw it out there. This position group created the most buzz out of any position group that – I heard about throughout these th four weeks of preseason camp, all due respect to some of the other strong things we heard, but just time and time again, wh whether it was Chop Robinson's name popping up or what Akeem Beeman was accomplishing and it kind of buried him in the conversation a little bit, but wrote a couple weeks ago, people are so high in this building about what Akeem Beeman can do after his one year absence. And I, I mean, it is just incredible how much people think he can get out there and just really flip the switch and become one of the better players on the defensive line in the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, what, one other thing, of, Tyler. That kind of excitement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, going back to the bowl, and I'm, I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse, but, you know, one of the guys that I think we saw in the bowl game who came in and gave him some good minutes was Jordan Vandenberg. Yes. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you know, he's another guy like Smith Vilbert that, you know, he was a kind of a key player for them in the bowl game, you know, albeit in a loss when they, when they didn't play particularly well. But he was a guy that you came out of that game and you're thinking pretty good things about. And, you know, he's fighting for playing time. And, you know, that's not great for him, but that's great for your defensive line. And I think it speaks to the depth when you have guys like that who played a lot in the bowl, did some good things. And now, you know, they're scratching and clawing trying to get some, some snaps. Yeah, Jordan Vandenberg was, would have a significant role on a lot of Big Ten rosters. I think he will have a role for this defense. And, and Daniel, I mentioned five defensive tackles. I was going to throw in a six there and mention Vandenberg. And just some names to know that are more in the in the category of, of, of young talent or, or guys that are, are kind of still working on foundational stuff. Uh, guys like Amin Vanover, Rodney McGraw, Fatoma Molba, Davon Townley, uh, some of those names down the depth chart that we'll be focusing in on as well, more so on the practice field than on game days, I'd imagine. Let's get over to linebacker. And, and you let off the depth chart conversation with the fact that it, it's kind of unavoidable. You go over there and you say, one, a lot of these, a lot of, not a lot of these guys have done much for Penn State in their careers. They have not had a chance to do it. Um, and then two, um, are there some game records in that group? Because I think that's been missing a little bit over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, you, you had really solid play, I think, uh, out of some guys. Um, you've got some splash moments, but are you going to be able to point to one of these linebackers? And Curtis Jacobs is, I think, where we're going to gravitate toward and say, this guy can blow up an offensive game plan by doing the things he's capable of doing. I think that's a lot to ask of a guy like Tyler Elsden or Kobe King right now. I think what you want there is accountable leadership, uh, a communicator for Manny Diaz, and, and you want them to wrap up and bring ball carriers down. And, and then, uh, you know, Jonathan Sutherland and, and Dom DeLuca uh, over at the Sam positions. I think I think a lot of people, if, they, if Jonathan Sutherland goes out there uh, and, and plays consistent football and takes proper angles, uh, they'll be happy to be wrong about him, but he's got a lot to prove, I think, to the Penn State fan base. But want to reiterate here, going to be a defense that operates quite often, I think, with two linebackers in play. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'll, uh, I'll take this one. But I, I think if you look at Curtis Jacobs, to me, and we've mentioned this in the past, you know, I was surprised that they didn't move him over to that will position last year. I mean, I really was. I just didn't think they were getting that much out of Brandon Smith for 
as 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 much potential as he might have had. So I think that's a really good move to get him into more of a box position. And he's going to be a playmaker. And I think between Elston and Kobe King, it, it may take a little bit, but I think they're they're going to be okay there. But yeah, I mean, I, I look at that that Sam position and. I, you know, I just wonder because even if Abdul Carter comes along, I don't think they're going to play him over there. He just that doesn't seem that field linebacker position just does not see seem to be, you know, a great fit for a two hundred and forty pound or you know whatever he is. And he's a listen. I got to tell you, Abdul Carter, having stood next to him, you know, he's every bit of six four and two thirty five or two forty, whatever they list him at. He is a big kid and he's athletic. Uh, but Tyler, I think it goes back to what you're saying. They're so loaded in the secondary that they are going to be able to make up for some things by playing nickel, by playing dime. That's going to be fine in game one, okay? Again, you know, you're looking at a Purdue team that actually was worse rushing the ball than Penn State was last year, which is kind of hard to believe. You know, I think average less than three yards per carry. So that's a team that really passes the ball. It's kind of tailor-made for this for this defense, but – What's going to happen when you get in there against some of the more traditional power running teams in the Big Ten kind of midway through the season? I think that's – they have some time to kind of develop and get to where they need to be. Uh, but I th- that Sam position is really uh, – of the whole team, I think you look at that, – that's the one thing that really sticks out to me and you think, whoa, they really got to get that thing firmed up. I think what you want to see from the Mike and the Sam spots is just kind of a, a baseline of competence. And I think that Tyler Elsden and Kobe King can give that, you know, if you can get just, you know, average big 10 play out of those two spots. And then Curtis Jacobs can be, he can be the splash play guy. He can be the one who's flying around, who can every once in a while wreck a game. Um, I think that that's kind of what you're looking at. And at the same time, kind of like what Mark mentioned, as we get further in um, and as you see more kind of run heavy teams on the schedule, then may then hopefully that you can raise the level of the play of the Mike and the Sam. But I think with Jonathan Sutherland at the Sam position, I think the one thing that's good about the way the defense is constructed is that you can kind of limit how much that spot is on the field. We could see a lot more Daquan Hardy this year than we did last year. And I think the one thing that I really learned uh, in my first year covering the beat, first year watching Daquan Hardy play, is that despite his stature, he is not afraid to mix it up uh, coming off the edge. He isn't afraid to throw his body at the quarterback, isn't afraid to throw his body at a bigger running back. Um, so I think that there are ways to mitigate uh, that Sam spot if, if it is a little touch and go early. But I think that if you can get just solid play out of Elsden or Kobe King in the middle, and if Sutherland can be average as a Sam linebacker, uh, and that allows Curtis Jacobs to be kind of that high-level five-star type athlete that people think he can be, um, I think that you can be in a good spot. Um, and I think it also helps, like Mark said, secondary's loaded. Uh, we just talked about the defensive line, uh, where it is in kind of its talent. And I think that that should also help mitigate some of those concerns that you have at linebacker. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage 
to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Tyrese Mills, as we mentioned, moving over from safety to, to Sam. Uh, Keon Wiley uh, out of Philadelphia. Jamari Budden, uh, a year two linebacker. And as we've all said, Abdul Carter, who... Strictly talking eyeball test is the the best looking freshman linebacker I've seen at Penn State. Again, just strictly looking at him in shorts and a t-shirt, I'm talking. But all the feedback about what he's done on the practice field matches up with the fact that we're going to see this young man play some football for Penn State this year. But some developmental names there. It's not a, a very deep group. Charlie Catcher is a veteran as well. Uh, but, but you know, it, it's not a long list to go through. And, and so let's jump over. And by the way, Daquan Hardy, three tackles for loss last year at his size. I, I may, may have kind of gone under the radar a little bit, along with his seven pass breaks up and a couple interceptions. He's going to hold down that that's that nickel coverage spot. James Franklin and the staff think he has an excellent chance to take another step there and, and further take command. Uh, but let's go elsewhere at cornerback. Joey Porter Jr., a guy that we've touched on quite a bit this offseason. A lot of first-round projections opposite him. Kaitlin King came to town with a lot of hype last year. Didn't necessarily see a bunch of him on the field, but he did burn red shirt. And then, of course, Johnny Dixon, who's another one of those off-season risers that continued this month, and and he's jockeying for position. You throw in Marquise Wilson, and, man, this is a group that, unlike linebacker, you can go name five, five guys and say, yeah, they're all going to play against Purdue. Yeah, I'm very excited to see this group, especially against a Purdue offense that we know is going to throw the ball. Um, I think coming into this year, Joey Porter Jr. obviously has all the hype. He's got those first round projections. He looks the part. Um, We kind of, you know, we want to see him 
clean up some of those penalties and whatnot that we saw down the stretch. But at the same time, Terry Smith said that he wants to still see Joey Porter play physical, be the cornerback. They know that he can be. And that's a position where sometimes it doesn't matter what you do. The flag is going to come out. Um, but I think overall, it's a deep group. Terry Smith said that he's got the the five uh, five NFL corners in there. Um, I think Marquise Wilson is kind of the the wild card, especially after last year with him splitting time between offense and defense. Joey Porter said that kind of stunted his growth a little bit, but now that he's back full time on defense, they're starting to see the same player that they saw at times uh, his freshman year in 2019 when he forced three fumbles. Uh, in 2020 when he made a couple starts. Um, and I think that that can also add a, a different dimension in there. And against a team like Purdue that that you know might throw the ball 60 times a game, I think that Penn State has the depth now that they can rotate some of those outside corners without any concern. They can keep them fresh. Um, I know at times last year you looked out on the field and you had Kalen King and, and Johnny Dixon as the outside corners, which are two talented players, but both were in their first year in the program. I know Johnny Dixon had played before at South Carolina, but there was an element, a slight element of inexperience there. Um, and you won't have that this year if you want to take the two starters out, put two backups in for a drive or two to, to give guys a, a breather uh, against the pass-heavy team. So I think that you can do a lot uh, with this cornerback group, really mix and match, and I think that'll be exciting to see. Yeah, I wonder how much they second-guess you know, Daniel, you kind of alluded to this with some of Joey Porter's comments, but you know, the whole thing with Marquise Wilson at 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 uh, receiver just didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I mean, he's a guy who is you know really good at creating turnovers, and uh, just seemed like they could have used him more as in a full time role over on the defensive side of the ball last year. So I'm glad to see him back, and as much hype as Joey Porter Jr. is getting. Yeah, do not sleep on Kalen King. I mean, this guy's a natural football player, and that's not a knock on Joey Porter Jr. He deserves the the plaudits he's getting, but uh, I would really look for some special things out of Kalen King. I think he has a chance to be one of the better corners uh, that they've had. So does Joey Porter Jr., but I think Kalen King, you know, we saw it when he first arrived on campus, got into that blue-white game at a pick six, you know, was was doing all these things. A little bit different when you get out there on the, uh, you know, underneath the, the bright lights as a true freshman. But now he's there in his he's there his second year. Had a chance to talk to him at media day. Really intelligent kid. Uh, just has a certain way that he carries himself that you would expect is a, from a lockdown corner. So I'm looking for some good things from Kalen King. Safety is another spot where we've seen a, a rapid riser. And Zaki Wheatley was named the takeaway king once again. It's very rare to see a guy do that in back to back camps, but he did that. It's very hard to ignore his trajectory within this program right now. We spent a lot of time talking about that safety battle to replace Jaquan Brisker in the starting lineup. We've been mentioning three guys for a while here with Keaton Ellis, who's been around the program now in his fourth year, uh, second-year player Jalen Reed, and then, of course, fellow second-year players, Aki Wheatley. Wheatley redshirt last year. Reed did not. Wheatley played cornerback last year, and yet here he is at the forefront of this conversation um, I talked about it a lot in the last podcast, but we talk about matching up the length w- with, with a guy like Joey Porter in the backfield. And um, it, it, there's just not going to be a lot of room. If Saki Wheatley can get hit, can, can really get his act together and go out there and prove it again on the field and, and, and be this guy in games, there's just a lot of opportunities for this defensive secondary to lock down pass lanes. Yeah. I mentioned this in a previous uh, podcast, but you know, the thing that we've heard is that the ball has a way of finding Zaki Wheatley 
And, and that's just basically saying that he has a natural talent. It's not the ball actually fighting him, but it, 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 he has a natural talent for being where it needs to be. But, you know, the thing I loved about him, and I remember talking about this in the blue-white game, you know, they're basically playing thud in the blue-white game. And that guy, who is a converted cornerback, so you think, hey, he's a converted corner. Yeah, he's not going to be the biggest thumper out there. He was looking to take people's heads off. I mean, you know, I, so you, you have a, a, a mixture of a guy who obviously is very good in coverage and is not afraid to be physical. And not only is he not afraid to be physical, he's out there looking to, to, to clock people. He's one of the guys, uh, you know, we talked about it last week, but he's one of the guys that I, or, or last, the last uh, podcast, we were asking who would we want to see on offense, you know, the most, uh, you know, I'll tip my, my hand here a little bit. And, and I am really looking forward to seeing Zaki Wheatley out there, especially against a team that passes the ball that much. Watch for him to have multiple big hits in this game. I'm really looking forward to to seeing what this kid does this year. And I think he will be the starter opposite Jair Brown. And Daniel, not not to not to, you know, go right past the guy who might be an all American candidate himself, and you've spent some significant time talking with him in the last month or so is Jair Brown. What are your expectations? I'm always surprised when I look back and realize that he was just a third team all Big Ten pick last year. I guess maybe a lot of a lot of his splash moments came later in the season, but to me, he was better than that, and he will be better than that this this fall. I think the a big thing I had been kind of thinking about with Jair Brown and what he's able to do uh, this year is kind of what was going to happen with that safety spot next to him, um, because Keaton Ellis, Jalen Reed, and Zaki Wheatley are all kind of a little bit different types of players, and I think based on whichever one was next to Jair Brown, that might change his responsibilities a little bit. Um, but I think with someone like Zaki Wheatley, who we think is the front runner for that job, I mean, if Zaki Wheatley can go in there and just basically play center field, be a ball hawk, just take away uh, the back third of the defense, I think that allows Jair Brown to really move around, do a lot of things with this defense. I mean, he established last year that he's not afraid to mix it up in the run game. Uh, he had 61 solo tackles last year, which led the team by a pretty wide margin. Um, and I think you look at the Illinois game, um, he was super active in that game and, and some of those other games against uh, ground teams. So I think that Jair Brown is going to be that guy this year that in a big moment last year, we all turned to Jaquan Brisker. We're all looking, all right, what is Jaquan Brisker going to do in this with five minutes left in the fourth quarter? And I think Jair Brown is going to be that player this year. He did it last year against Wisconsin, um, but I think we're going to see that a little bit more this year. So I think he has a very, very high ceiling this year. I think that he'll benefit by playing next to someone uh, who is a ball hawk, who can kind of take a lot of the coverage things. Because, um, I mean, himself, Jair has already shown a knack for the football with his six interceptions last year. So I think that he's someone that he didn't make a preseason All-America team, but I think by the end of the year, he'll be someone who will be in the conversation um, as those top safeties in the Big Ten um, and, and in the country. There are four freshmen to follow their development in the defensive secondary. Makai Flowers, K.J. Winston at safety, then Cam Miller and Christian Driver at cornerback. We've heard some good things early. You look at the rooms, you don't think you should see uh, too many of those guys. Special teams is always a compelling path, but that's going to lead us into our five-star mailbag question, fellas, because we just rolled through the defense, and this takes a bigger picture look at the first-year players for Penn State, which we've heard a lot of good things about. Here's the question from our mailbag. 
It is uh, setting the over-under for freshmen to burn red shirt this season at four and a half. Are you taking the over or the under? Fellas, I think this is a layup because I can give you almost half that total out of the offensive backfield. Nick Singleton, Katron Allen will burn red shirt by the, uh, I think, the second weekend of October. Um, in terms of others, I think Zane Durant, we've already, we already know he's been on that path for a while now. Uh, you look at the defense, Abdul Carter, I, I think you're going to see him get enough run. I'm pretty comfortable in saying they'll get over four and a half, and it may be a little bit of a gap on that over. Last year, just two freshmen burned redshirt for Penn State. Yeah, I think another guy to look for to burn a redshirt is Drew Shelton. I mean, he's a guy who don't expect him to obviously be a starter on the offensive line, but I think he's a guy that they're going to want to have ready to play in case something happens to one of those tackles. I don't even know that he'll be a second teamer in the first game. Uh, but I do think he's a guy they're going to want to get snaps, that if somebody gets bumped up and they really need to go to him, uh, that he's going to be a guy. So so that's kind of a, a wild card in the in the red shirt burning department. But just keeping my ear to the ground, I think he may be a guy. Uh, watch for him in those first few games of the season uh, to, to get some to get some playing time. Yeah, I think I would also add Caden Saunders to that conversation at wide receiver. He's someone who enrolled early. Uh, has kind of a, a pedigree and there's kind of the the formula there for as him to see some time. Um, you know, I think that he's someone who can make things happen out of the slot. Um, maybe he get maybe he factors in in, in the return game uh, here or there, but I think he's someone else that I would I would watch. But yeah, I would feel very comfortable with with them clearing 4.5 with uh, with some room to spare. Yeah, and we didn't even mention the five-star defensive end they added and denied Dennis Sutton. It gets, you know what, you, you, we're thinking about some of these guys who have been around since the spring and some guys that we know we're going to see a bunch of in early September. What's really going to inflate this number are the guys who the staff sits sits and, and gets together during that bye week in October and they say, it's time to, it's time to pull off the kid gloves with him and, and we got we to burn red shirt. Even if he's not a starter for us, even if he's not playing 50 snaps a game, He's doing enough to provide value for this team that's going to add up to opportunities to win. And I think that, that you're going to see some serious red shirts blown up in this class. And that goes exactly the way Franklin kind of emphatically ended spring ball. A lot of newcomers on this team that we think can play. I've heard nothing to change that narrative as we're now a week away from kickoff. And yeah, again, I think we're going to see a lot of freshman involvement and Part of the reason why I think uh, this team, the way it evolves and emerges is going to be fascinating to watch because there are some of the old guard players that we have watched play a ton of football, but there are a lot of tantalizing additions, whether it's the transfer portal portal, or, of course, the recruiting class. Guys, that's going to do it for this episode, but, of course, we're back into the press conference with James Franklin on Monday. I know we've got our season predictions coming out before the weekend hits. The depth chart is up there, and as I said, a ton of coverage on the booth commitment for Penn State's basketball program at Lions 24-7. I'll let you move on with your Thursdays. Folks can hear from you at Lions247.com. Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen, always appreciate you, fellas. See you guys. Thanks. Absolutely. That's going to do it for this edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. I want to thank Lance Glenn for getting it done as our producer behind the scenes. As always, we are back with Purdue Game Week. We got uh, fresh out of James Franklin's press conference. You're going to get an episode up on Monday for you guys. That's also going to feature some commentary from a Purdue beat reporter on what exactly the Boilermakers have cooking coming out of preseason camp. And, of course, we'll get another episode up before Thursday to take a final look, give you our predictions for the Week 1 matchup. And then late Thursday night into Friday morning even, we will be up with a post-game podcast, the first of 12 during this regular season. So a lot of fun coming your way, more podcasts coming your way. Stepping aside for now, I'm Tyler Donahue. 
Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.